You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to call on the spirits to join us here today. I'd like to call out to your ancestors and to mine. I'd like to call out to those ancestors who bring all that is good and true and beautiful in our ancestral lines into our lives. I call out to those ancestors to be with us here today that we might learn from those who have gone before us. It is on their shoulders that we stand. It is on their bones that we stand. And we ask them to come here today to help us to stand in what we believe to help us to move in our life from a place of truth and integrity and help us to follow the path of authenticity that unfolds before us. We ask these ancestors to be with us here today that we might do what we have come here to do, to do it in a way that is good for all living things and to do it in a way that brings out into the world those things that are needed by those who are coming. May we be conscious and aware of the cycle from the ancestors through the living to the descendants who are coming and back round again. So we call out to these ancestors to circle round, hold us well, and help us to do what we need to do here today. And I reach down through my body and invite you to do the same, to reach down through your body and your legs and your feet into the earth. Imagine your feet in your favorite kind of earth. Maybe it's nice squishy mud, silt from the gooey bottom of the river. Maybe it's grass. Maybe it's dirt and dust. Who knows what it is? Maybe it's simply your garden. Imagine your feet in the earth and send your energy down through the earth, through all the layers of the earth, all the way into the molten layers of the earth and all the way to the very core and anchor yourself firmly there. And we give thanks to the earth for the wonder of her dreaming that all brought all life as we understand it to this planet. We give thanks to her for the beauty of life, for the miracle of life and for the blessing that is each of our lives, no matter what the day has in store for us. We give thanks, deep, deep gratitude to the earth for home, for place, for belonging. And we draw the energy of the earth up through all the layers of the earth into our body and receive the energy of the earth, giving thanks for connection and interconnection and the great web of life in which we are all part. And we ask the energy of the earth to fill us with the wisdom of manifestation, that we might come into right relationship with ourselves and all living things, the environment and the spirit world. We ask the energy of the earth to help us to learn to live here in form in a good way, with a strong heart, with creativity, and with the ability at any moment to dance. So we give thanks to the earth for being with us here today and ask the energy of the earth to move through us as we move up from our heart to our mind and out through all the layers of the sky, reaching all the way up to the highest power of the universe and by whatever name you call that energy, call that energy down into your body, into your day, into our circle here. We call down the energy of the sky to bring into our proceedings here today protection that we might become vulnerable enough to hear 
what we need to hear, to say what needs to be said, and to be in the process we need to be in in this day. We call out for that protection that we might be take risks and be creative in doing what we've come here to do. So we call out again and again for that protection that we might be as we need to be in this day. And we call out for blessing. We call out for the generosity and benevolence of our universe and we draw all of these energies down to inspire us and to guide us as we move through the day, calling in the energy of the sky into our heads and into our hearts and all the way down into our bellies where the energy of the sky dances with the energy of the earth, mixing and blending to the exact perfect blend to bring you into balance today. And from this place of balance, from this place of earth and sky within us, from this great column of energy within us, we call out to the spirit of the heart to be with us here today and to open and to receive the powerful energies of the passions of the lower chakras and the crystal clarity of the energies of the higher chakras. And we call these energies together in the heart where they might mix and merge and dance and give birth to our knowing of why we are here. And may we find in the heart the courage to act on that knowing and to bring our gifts into the world. So with the ancestors gathered round, the earth below, the sky above, and our heart here connecting all of it, we give thanks to the spirits who have joined us. May what needs to be said be said, what needs to be heard be heard, and may all of these proceedings go forward in a way that is ultimately good for all living things. So I would like to thank Josh and Eduardo and those of you who have donated in this past week to the show. If this show is meaningful to you in any way, even if it is upsetting, if it moves you in some way and has meaning, please allow that movement of the heart to move you into action and do something that can strengthen the show. Um, Donate at whyshamanismnow.com at the support button. You can donate any amount in any currency, no matter large or small, it all goes directly to keeping the show on the air, which is many, many bills actually to do that. And I would um, love to be able to say at the end of the year that we have made the show happen. Um, And so I give thanks to all those of you who are able to donate financially. And I give thanks to those of you, particularly today, Daniel and LaVon, who are able to send in questions and information and comments and um, ways that enrich the shows. And I give thanks to you that send in questions and ideas for shows in the future. All of these things keep the show relevant. They keep it strong. They keep it speaking to those of you who are listening. And so I give thanks to all of you and all that you are doing. Um, to build the show, to keep it alive, to keep it free, to keep it out there on the airwaves so that more and more people can come to understand the human legacy that is shamanism and why we need shamanism now at this time on our planet. So thank you all. I, I have great gratitude to everyone. Today our show is about depression and soul retrieval and other aspects of shamanic healing. And we are live today and you are invited to call in with your questions at 512 512- Seven seven two one nine three eight, or you can Skype from the co-creatornetwork.com site. Just click the button and you can Skype on in to the show with your questions. Or you can email me at Christina at lastmaskcenter.org and I'd be happy to read your question um, on the air. 
Um, and for those of you that have questions about um, classes beginning, the first year training is beginning, the nine-month series is beginning, many things are beginning here now in January and February, and you can find that information on the website. We've had a huge amount of technical difficulties, um, along with a whole lot of other people that are being hosted by DreamHost, and um, the website is basically current at this time, and you can certainly register for all of the um, classes that are just beginning right now through the website. We still have a little work to do, but it's all there, lastmaskcenter.org. Okay, so we are talking today about shamanism and depression and soul retrieval. So shamanic practices, at least in the way that I practice shamanic practices, they give us a way into the human experience that is as if we enter through a different doorway into the human experience. It's different from other doorways that are perfectly legitimate and lovely doorways like the psychology, psychiatry doorway or the doorway in through daily practices, be they of the yogic systems or the Taoistic systems. We can enter through process, different kinds of process work. We can enter through different kinds of body work and energy work. There are many, many doorways into investigate the human experience. And If I do nothing else with my life, I would hope that one of the things that I can help to do is to help us understand that shamanism is its own unique doorway into the human experience. And it is an old doorway. It's a doorway that's been used by all of your ancestors, by people all over the globe, and it still is. It has been, and it is, and I believe that it will be. Because it is birthed out of the relationship between nature and humans and the invisible world. And that is a constant relationship. Assuming we don't do anything profoundly stupider than what we're already doing. But that would be a different show if we talked about that today. So my point is, shamanism is its own doorway into the human experience. And because it comes in from its own angle, it offers its own perspective. It is not another version of psychiatry or psychology or another version of body work or energy work. It is its own path in and it has its own perspective. And so what I'd like to talk about today is depression from that perspective, which does not necessarily undermine or denigrate anybody else's perspective. The doorways into human experience are um, all of great value. But shamanism is unique. And one of the things that shamanism does, for example, let me just talk about shadow work, for example. So with shadow work, shamanic skills allow us to engage the different selves involved in the shadow. And I find this a far more effective approach in approaching your um, personal shadow. So the shadow is a thing. It's a thing called an archetype, but your shadow is you. It's actually many yous. It's not a thing. Your shadow, my shadow, it's not a thing. The shadow is an archetypal thing, granted, but yours is you. Mine is me. And shamanism allows us to get into that reality, the multifaceted reality of all of the yous, that comprise your shadow or all of the me's that comprise my shadow. And in this way, self by self, we're able to effectively address the aspects of ourself that have been lost in the shadow. 
So what I propose today then is that shamanism offers us a similar way to look at depression within ourselves, not as a thing, but as the composite of many things. And because shamanism allows us to address the many things all at the same time, it allows us to get at that that collective experience that we've named now depression and we're now treating as a thing. So depression, diagnosed or not, whether your depression is official or unofficial, it is now being treated in in many Western systems as a thing. That people talk people talk about having depression. You know, you like having a cold. I have depression. I have the measles. I have this thing. Or more so, people talk about my depression. That it, that it's this. This thing, there's, there's that hideous add-on right now with the blue robe with the eyeballs, which is the person's depression, and it follows her around throughout the ad. It's like the creepy blue robe. It's her thing, her depression, right? Her creepy blue robe with the eyeballs. I can't remember what pharmaceutical is being advertised in that ad. But the point is it's treated now as a thing, like almost as if it's its own thing with a mind of its own. And I believe that this path is folly. That this path, though it is a relief, when someone is suffering from what we now call depression, it is a relief to have someone say, yes, I understand why you have depression. It is your whatever, brain chemistry or whatever, and this will help you with it. Because what I'd like to talk about here today eventually is that Part of what causes our depression is our frustration with not knowing what's wrong with us. And so we are relieved for someone to finally say, yes, this is this, and this will fix it. When the bottom line of the real hard science is it doesn't. But even without the science, you know it doesn't. We know it doesn't. So what if depression, this thing that we are now calling depression, is actually a perfectly sane response to a really, really awful situation, which is that from a soul perspective, our culture, I'll just speak for America, is failing us miserably, that we are people raised by people who were living in a state of soul loss, who were raised by people living in a state of soul loss, who were raised by people living in a state of soul loss. And none of these people were initiated and brought into spiritual adulthood in their life. And none of them are initiating their children. And they are not tending their dead. And that the culture is acting as if this is completely normal and that this is civilized and that this is an advancement in human evolution. And so... I would propose that those of you who have depression recognize that this is a sane response to a broken system and that you have options out, that we don't have to fix the system to fix our own depression and that it possibly in fixing our own depression, we will become the people that manifest a different system. But I think that it's possible that there's nothing wrong with your brain chemistry. There's nothing wrong with anything. There's nothing wrong with you. 
You feel like crap. Yes, I get that. But perhaps your response is sane. And that what we need to talk about today is how would you sanely respond to the fact that you feel like crap and so that you don't have to feel like crap anymore. But that one of the things we need to understand, because you know, the problem with America is most people don't take anywhere near enough science to be making reasonable decisions in an adult life in America. It's a big problem. And one of the things that we don't understand is the fact that someone's brain chemistry may be in a certain way does not prove that that brain chemistry caused the way they're feeling. What what we, generally speaking, educated Americans don't understand because they didn't take enough science is you're just a big bag of chemistry. We're all just a big bag of chemistry. And that what we eat, the practices we choose to do or not do, where we work, how we go through the day, what's going on in the environment, all of these things are constantly affecting our chemistry. And our chemistry is so, – so the idea then that you have some fundamental problem in your brain chemistry that will be unaffected by your diet, by your practices, by spiritual transformational processes is simply naive on one hand and foolish on another. That we are chemistry. We are what we eat. All of that stuff is true. All of it matters. But the idea that you have some fundamental flaw in your brain chemistry while at the pit of your depression may seem like a relief to finally have an answer – is a hollow one because ultimately even the science doesn't prove that out. But more important than the science, our experience of being on these pharmaceuticals doesn't prove this out. So anyway, moving right along. So back to this idea then that shamanism being a different door into the human experience allows us to get into energies like depression and look at them as a collection of many things, not as a thing, not as depression is the thing the nasty blue robe with eyeballs that follows you around everywhere. Depression involves the mind, it involves the emotions, it involves the body and the spirit. Depression is not a sign of weakness, nor something that can be willed away. It is not the same as the passing blues, as some people would call it. However, the fact that temporary depression or passing blues or a passing depression is normal is something that we will probably circle back around to. But depression, as it's being diagnosed, defined and diagnosed, is a severe despondency and dejection accompanied by feelings of hopelessness and inadequacy. It is a condition of mental disturbance, typically with a lack of energy and difficulty in maintaining concentration or interest in life. Now, most people who are experiencing this would add a whole lot more adjectives. This is a little bit um, white bread, but this is the basis of depression. What is interesting is that the signs and symptoms of major depression, which I just read, and they're all over the internet. You can go read them yourself. The signs and symptoms of major depression are very similar to the signs and symptoms of someone in a state of soul loss. They're exactly the same. So the symptoms that we are diagnosing on through one door uh, as um, – major depression through the shamanism doors simply are the signs of someone who is in a state of soul loss. So if it smells like a fish, maybe it is a fish. (laughs) Maybe that what we're really looking at is not depression, but an epidemic of soul loss. And, and, and more, more so than just an epidemic, but we are looking at the result 
of generation after generation after generation of soul loss in a culture. And because soul loss affects the decisions that we make, it affects the way that we perceive reality. It affects our sense of life in its entirety. And so if you have people in a state of soul loss, doing all the jobs, making all the decisions in government, making all the decisions as parents, making all the decisions that shape the reality and shape the culture, eventually you're going to have a broken system because all of the important decisions are being made by broken people. And that this is the reality from a shamanic perspective of the state that we live in in America and actually other countries, but I'm just going to speak for myself and my own country. But this is pretty much true in the Western world. And for those cultures that are adopting this way of life, they are adopting generational soul loss that eventually results in a broken system for humanity. And that that seems completely obvious to me today. Um, especially the broken system part. So what if this epidemic, this epidemic proportions of depression is really just the result of several decades of humanity living and giving birth and dying in a state of soul loss and all of the decisions about life that come from that. So we, we are not in a traditional situation where a traditional interpretation of soul loss and soul retrieval process fully covers what's going on. It's not that it's not valid. It is. And it is the core of our understanding of soul loss and soul retrieval. But that, soul, that, that moment of an individual soul loss or soul retrieval in a traditional shamanic culture back pre-contact was happening in, a, in an unbroken system, was happening in a system that was otherwise working in a good way for the souls and the lives of the people involved. Children were initiated into adulthood. The dead were cared for, so the dead got to where they need to go. All of these things that contribute to our experience of depression were handled in a good way. They're not now. In almost, they're, uh, almost in anybody's life, they're simply not handled in a good way. And so we are creating this mess, in a sense. And for us to be able to clean it up, we need to actually understand what we're cleaning up. So to put this very simply, one of the things I've noticed in doing soul retrieval with people for 20 plus years is um, that a pers- the, the clearing or the lifting of a person's depression is often a side effect of soul retrieval. And the complete um, change, the transformation of a life such that a person who used to identify as a depressed person or even being diagnosed as a depressed person, it no longer identifies that way, is often a side effect of several soul retrievals over a period of time, usually a year to two years of receiving soul parts back and integrating them and receiving different soul parts back and integrating them and receiving different soul parts back and, and integrating them. And that amount of need for soul retrieval is what I consider standard for an American. That I have yet to meet someone who doesn't need that much soul retrieval work in America because it's just normal because of how we are raised, the dynamics of being raised by parents that are also in a state of soul loss, who were raised by parents who were also in a state of soul loss, etc., to need soul retrieval work to be able to have the energy 
to do what you want to do, to stay focused and find what it is that you want to do, to feel self-worth, to feel the self-love, to feel the creativity, to feel the healthy dynamic of yin and yang energies within yourself, to be able to just go do what you want to do in life. It's completely normal today for someone to need one, two, three soul retrievals and the integration process to get to a place where they can start to function as a spiritual adult in the world. So it's completely normal. And that the lifting of depression is most effective as, as a side effect of a person just wanting to get their life together and do what they've come here to do. It, it has been less effective when we have proceeded with the shamanic healing work specifically to heal the depression. That that, that is actually, um, it's not a good question in terms of shamanic journeying because the issue isn't actually the depression. It's the sum total of things in the person's life that result in the experience the person is having of depression. But again, from a shamanic perspective, the depression isn't the thing. That there are many other things going on inside of you that come together to create, uh, together they create the experience of the depression. So it's not a good question diagnostically to ask to heal the source of the depression. That, that the path is more effective if we look at healing the person into their passion, into their soul's purpose, into why they are here. And as a result, the depression will be dealt with. And so, so one of the things that I see happening in people's lives who are really struggling with, with severe depression is trying to deal with it becomes the point of life and, and, and the focus of everything. And so consequently, life gets lost in all of the actions taken to try to deal with a thing that's not a thing. And I hope that makes sense. I don't really know how to explain it better than that. But but the life, the choices that would create a robust and healthy life get lost because every choice begins about surviving in this state of this depression, which in and of itself isn't the thing. So let me move along. Now, so far so good. I wanted to share... Um, some ideas here that ca- that came in from um, a listener, and because there's probably a lot of questions out there about the chemistry that's being used today in theory to um, fix people's depression, which most of you who are taking the chemistry know that it helps you cope, maybe with side effects usually, but it doesn't necessarily fix your depression. And so Levon writes in. Um, and I'm going to post these links on the Why Shamanism Now Facebook page for those of you that would like to follow these links and read some of these um, current articles. But Levon is talking about, um, I just thought you might want to know that problems with the science of depression have been in the news again over the past couple of weeks. The simple truth is, is that we don't know what depression does to brain chemistry, nor do we know what the pharmaceuticals are really doing to the brain chemistry and we, over time. And we absolutely can't say that a chemical imbalance causes depression. This is something that's been known in the psych community for years. The serotonin thing is just a nice narrative that sells Prozac, which has never tested better than slightly above a placebo. 
and it comforts people who want a point uh, who want to point to a clear cause but there is no remotely conclusive research basis for it and the research debunking the theory has been appearing in medical journals for a year for years and so i'm going to post some of these links that levon has offered us on the facebook page for the show today um so you might want to explore some of the fresh debate on this issue, but the important thing to understand, which is not hard for me at all as someone who studied chemistry to understand, is that we shouldn't be trying to screw around with the brain chemistry. It's too complicated. What we need to do is get at the root of why a person's body with its innate understanding of health isn't able to do what it knows how to do. And that is truly the view that shamanism gives us that allows us to be effective where other things are not as effective as they need to be. So point one then is that depression is most often simply the side effect of someone who is in a state of soul loss. It is very normal for American to be in a state of soul loss and it is not that hard to get your soul parts back people. There are competent practitioners all over the United States, and many of us who have been doing this for a while are also capable of doing your soul retrieval work long distance. So you have no excuse to continue to live in a state of soul loss. And if you are suffering from depression and have not explored shamanic options with an initiated shaman, then get at it because you are most – you have a gift – to bring to the world, even if you are crushed under the weight of enormous depression right now and can't even imagine how you would go about it, you came into this world and you were given a body to live in because you had a gift to bring and you need to bring it. And that is the core of well-being for every human being is to do what we have come here to do. And so if you can't do that, and you have not approached shamanic healing as part of the process for yourself, then you absolutely need to. Because I truly believe that when we are talking about contemporary depression, a huge part of it is simply the result of living in a state of soul loss. The symptom lists are exactly the same, people. It's just looking at the same problem from a very, very different perspective. From a shamanic perspective, you see soul loss. From an allopathic perspective, you see an opportunity to sell pharmaceuticals in spite of the science because there isn't a better answer through allopathic medicine. Allopathic medicine does a lot of things great. It doesn't really deal with depression very well. So try something else that will help you because your gifts are needed in the world. So there's another interrelationship between soul loss and depression that has to do with the feelings that come from depression of fatigue and the loss of energy, the loss of passion, the not really caring and not, not able to stay focused on things, um, the I just can't get out of bed feeling. And I just want to remind people, especially if you haven't heard the show before and you might have missed pieces of the story, um, I, I understand depression from the inside out. I mean, I spent a long time depressed and cycling with my depression. So I get it. I get the I can't get out of bed feeling. I get it. 
So I'm not just talking about this from the outside, pointing fingers. I do know this experience. But what I also know, working, having been in a state of soul loss myself and working with people in a state of soul loss is that soul loss makes us leaky energetically. And even for a healthy, robust person who is not depressed, soul loss makes them leaky. And so they can do all their qigong and all their yoga and all their praying and all their meditation and their chanting and their satsang and all the stuff that they're doing to put energy in and they will keep leaking. And if they just would get their soul retrieval, they would take off like a rocket. So what about people who are already energetically challenged because of the psycho-emotional piece of the depression? Well, that energetic piece of being a leaky bucket, that just takes the bottom right out of the whole thing, right? I mean, you can't do all those things to compensate for the energy that you're losing because of the depression. And so it ends up just pouring out and you end up absolutely bereft of energy. And so it's important to understand that this, that this energetic piece or lack of energy piece that is part of the experience of depression is also part of the experience of being in a state of soul loss. And so for those of you that don't identify as depressed, but identify as having all that whole array of very poorly named energy problems in life, get your soul parts back, integrate them, restore the integrity of your energy body. Soul loss creates a fundamental hole at the core of the energy bucket. There is nothing that you can do to to fix that hole. You can keep filling the bucket but you cannot fix that hole without your soul part coming back. It's just the nature of the beast, people. So get your soul retrievals, right? But especially with depression, this is really important because you don't have the energy to compensate for the fact that you're a leaky bucket. And so part of the thing, part of the reason depression really cycles it, it, and cycles up, you do something that helps to bring the energy up, but it cycles back down again is because you're just hemorrhaging energy. You're just hemorrhaging and leaking energy. So there is, and there is also a dynamic here between the actual lack of energy and feeling no passion. People talk to me about these things as if they're, they're the same because the medical system treats them as if they're the same. But these are two very, very different things. And this is what I mean about depression actually being made up of many, many different things. So the actual lack of energy and feeling no passion from a shamanic perspective may have two entirely different roots of the problem, right? And so um, the problem with smushing them together and just naming it depression is now we're no longer able to separate these two. And if we can't separate them, we can't follow them to the path that is at the root, you know, that is the source of the problem, fix it. So for example, passion shamanically is an energy that we have true passion is the energy that we have to get up out of bed in the morning and to go do what we've come here to do it's connected to our purpose our soul's purpose and our need as a human to do things of meaning and value to us passion is connected to that whole cycle of of the the fire that moves through us that that motivates us and pushes us from within to do what we've come here to do and give our gifts. 
Now, from a soul loss perspective, you can lose the part of yourself that tends the passion. It's like tend, it's like a little um, fire tender, a little part of yourself whose job it is to keep that fire going. Right? We can lose that aspect of ourselves, especially if our passions were denigrated by our family, or maybe at school, or maybe by our religion, or potentially just by our culture in general. Now, if all four of those things in your life um, shut down your passion or denigrated it or devalued it, then your passion is most likely gone in, in, a, in a state of soul loss. If your family and your religion and your school system and your culture all said that's not a good thing, you would really struggle to find that. That's not depression. That's soul loss. And that's not energy um, in the sense of my energy body is depleted. That is a core level soul issue. The other issue of lack of energy has to do with the the practical, almost functional situation of being an energy bucket that's got holes in it. And um, there are many practices, Taoistic and yogic, that are for um, cultivating energy and filling that bucket. And so a loss of energy... And just energy, just sort of raw energy can be you're trying to get through life without an energy practice. We all need one, like especially after the age of 40. And we really need to start cultivating one after the age of 20. But most of us are too busy trying to, frankly, have sex that we forget about that. But anyway, my point is it's, it's, it's mechanical. It's just energy, right? It's very different than something that is truly tied to your soul, like your passion your desire to live a life of meaning and purpose. So these are two very, very different energies. There's something else I was going to say, but I forgot. So I'm going to move on here. And so, so my, my point about this is there is an interrelationship between soul loss and the energetic or lack of energy experience of depression. And we lose the path to heal those things when we just glob it all together into this idea that this is about depression and by fixing my brain chemistry, I'm somehow going to fix the fact that my energy body is riddled with holes. I'm hemorrhaging energy and the part of myself that carries my passion is missing. There isn't a pharmaceutical in the world that's going to fix that for you. That's energetic and soul issues and you need to deal with those energetically and from a soul perspective and shamanism is one of the most effective ways to deal with these very precise Um, losses at a soul level. Another thing that is important to understand is that fatigue is different from the feeling of I just can't get out of bed. That fatigue, again, has has a mechanical, a very actual sort of literal, do I have energy or do I not component to it, where I can't get out of bed has more again to do with the issues of passion and desire and gifts and is my life a life of meaning and purpose. If I had to go work 60 hours a week at a job that I hated that had no meaning or purpose to me, I would not be able to get out of bed either. Of course you can't get out of bed, right? I mean, you're not supposed to spring from bread happily to go spend the best decades of your life doing something that has no meaning or purpose from you. To not want to get out of bed, if that's what your life entails, is entirely sane and healthy response to the situation. Now, the deeper issue, of course, is if you have a beautiful life that you love and you can't get yourself out of bed, right? So now we're talking again about soul loss. 
Now we're talking about the fact that something is missing that needs to be returned to you so that you can have a sane and logical response to the beauty of your life. And that's a soul issue. It's a shamanic healing issue. It's a soul retrieval and integration issue. It's about learning how to be in right relationship with your soul. It's, it's not about your head. At that point, it's not even precisely about your heart. It's really about the integrity of your soul in this lifetime. And another thing that comes into play here that speaks again to the damage that is done to us culturally is that this is a culture that, that is really pushing us in many ways, whether they're doing it consciously or not, I don't know. But anyway, pushing us in many ways to believe that we should be able to have the partner, have a fabulous partner, an abundant life, do exactly what we want to do, or maybe not even have to work, and just without doing anything. It's amazing to me. Where the deeper truth is, a life of prosperity and abundance and balance, a life of that kind of deep inner joy and meaning to be able to walk out on the day of your death and know that your life had meaning, that people or, or other living things were changed by the fact that you were alive in a good way. That feeling comes from people that are willing to do what is necessary to cultivate their own inner resources of yin energy. And yin work is internal work. It is shadow work. It is heart work. It is about the emotions and the feelings. And I cannot tell you how many men and women in my practice have absolutely no relationship with their current feeling body. There are many people that are awash constantly throughout the day feeling recycling the feelings of unresolved issues from their childhood. People that are quote-unquote too emotional because they're reacting to everything out of their childhood. Yes, I see a lot of that. Those aren't healthy adult emotions. Those are unresolved issues from your childhood. That is also the result often of soul loss. And so all of these things come back around to a culture that is being defined by people who are in a state of soul loss and propagating more and more soul loss in people instead of having us recognize how much of what is problematic in our in ourselves, in our life, in our health and well-being and joy in our life comes back to the fact that we are living in a state of soul loss. And we need to change that. And you can change that with relative ease and relative, relatively inexpensive, especially for those of you that are already shelling out the money for therapists and psychiatrists and pharmaceuticals. I mean, for someone to do a really good, intensive shamanic healing and integration with me, as an example, for let's say a year and a half, would probably cost well under $1,000, $1,500, maybe over a year and a half. Maybe if you did a lot of phone sessions with me, right? People spend that in months. People spend that alone on their pharmaceutical. It is not that expensive to get your soul parts back. That, that I don't have enough money is bullshit, right? You don't have enough money to not get your soul parts back, people. 
It is way too expensive in the long-term evolution of your health and well-being to not get your soul parts back. So we had a, um, a message from a – oh, we have a new message actually. Oh, about a different show. So we have a message from Daniel, which is a very, very good question. And Daniel is basically talking about, you know, by the way, NPR is doing a series right now about depression. Everybody's talking about depression. Um, anyway, and there's, there's, they're talking about, you know, favorable drugs and this and that and the other thing. And um, his question is, gets to, obviously, waiting until someone is needing hospitalization is late in the game for shamanic treatment. And it would be best to start treatment before that. Uh, but where would a person start at, when they're at that stage of um, serious medications or hospitalizations, really severe debilitating depression? You know, what can friends and families do? Um, you know, can peripheral treatments help? And, you know, the thing about shamanic healing is it just doesn't work without permission. Right, But if the person who is suffering gives permission, a shamanic healer can do an enormous amount of assistance and help. Um, and so just because someone is you know, crashed, basically, under the weight of the depression and is now being hospitalized, doesn't mean a shamanic healer can't help. And there are many practitioners who even work long distance. So even the issue of being in the hospital or not being in the hospital and coming in and out and this and that and the other thing, even that is no longer um, necessary to figure out since a lot of people can work long distance and work over the phone um, and do integration and things like that over the phone. And so I think actually in a situation of, of um, hospitalization, if you can get someone to give permission, that a lot of work can be done. So now what happens if you can't get someone to give permission? Well, it really depends because if if someone has moved from depression into some more, um, I don't know what the word, colorful, shall we say, altered states of existence and are starting to get other diagnoses on top of it and, and can't and people perceive that the people can't even make decisions for themselves anymore. Um, one of the things that you can do in shamanic healing when someone is really suffering and has really lost their bearings in the world is journey to communicate, the shaman can journey to communicate with the person's soul. And this is a way you would also deal with someone in coma who's not capable of giving or not giving permission. They're just not capable of doing anything for themselves is to journey to their soul and to be with their soul and to, to talk with their soul in the altered state of the shamanic journey and to find out what the person's trying to do and what they need. And depending on that, the outcome of that journey, the shaman may be able to make an agreement with the individual. It may not be what the friends and family want to have happen, but it may be a path out of whatever the situation is for the individual who is suffering. So just because things are severe, I don't think it means you shouldn't bring a shamanic healer in. Um, but there are dynamics that have to be worked out in that case. Now, the reason that I'm saying this sort of brings me to the third point that I was going to make is this. We're not just talking about depression and soul loss sort of being having the same symptomology. So maybe it's really the same thing. Um, and then the effect on the energy body. But another aspect of depression from a shamanic perspective is that sometimes we are carrying 
the burden of unresolved issues from our ancestors. And this is why I'm, I've been I brought up several times in today's show that I think part of what we're seeing when we're looking at this, this epidemic of depression, quote unquote, is what we're really seeing is the result of a whole culture of people that have now lived in several generations of soul loss. And that decisions and policy and, and systems are being created now from the very limited and narrow view of people that are living in a state of soul loss. And, um, and so part of that then is that we're talking about unresolved ancestral issues because we're talking about generations in the past who themselves died in a state of soul loss and are thus unresolved and most likely have not cleared and made their way over to the land of the dead, but are still hanging around here. And their depression, their unlived lives, their lack of passion, their feeling that life is hard and then you die, all of their attitudes about life then sort of glom on to the living in an effort to get resolved because the dead can't resolve anything because they're dead. You need free will to resolve things, thus the living. And there is a relationship there's a blood relationship between you and your ancestors. And so there is, unfortunately, a relationship between you and their issues. And so this, this has an impact on depression. And it's also a reason that someone who's really crashing in a family system and has really become the place all the illness of the family system is coming down on this one person who's just faltering and being labeled as the one who has the depression or the major um, illness, that person is partly crumbling under the weight of these ancestral issues. And so another thing a shamanic healer can do for someone who is suffering from depression is to get in there and you can do the ancestral healing simply with permission of the family. You don't need the permission of the person suffering for this because any family member can set ancestral healing in motion. And so one of the things that can help, especially if you know that there's a history of quote-unquote depression in the family or suicides or the obvious outcome of people that are, are suffering, that, that lack of um, ability to do what they've come here to do, then get the ancestral healing for that. Um, and through um, it, can, it, it can work to a certain degree through family constellation work. It's beautiful work. But it also works really effectively through shamanism. And the, and the window, the door shamanism opens into the human experience allows us to go all the way to the source of the problem in the ancestors. Another issue that contributes to depression in, in America is that on one hand, as we transition from childhood to adulthood, that threshold is not maintained by our community. We are not put in a ritual situation that forces us to make a choice whether we're going to walk through that threshold and leave childhood behind or not. And so consequently, people don't. And they end up, I mean, we talk about these children having children because there's all of these teenage girls um, getting pregnant and having children and teenage boys getting them pregnant. But the bottom line is in America, it's all children raising children because they're spiritual children, because we're not spiritual adults, because culturally we don't initiate people. Now there's the random person here or there that has been initiated one way or another in their life. Um, you know, like Philip Scott that we talked to last week, myself, that there are people that do get initiated, but we're not the ones making policy. We're not the one making decisions. We're not the ones shaping 
um, the primary shape of the culture. And the primary shape of the culture is you don't need to be initiated. These ideas about not needing to be initiated when the truth is you do. And when you don't, you do not die well and become another aspect of the burden on the living, which adds to the depression and the weight and the effort of the living to try to get out from underneath the unresolved issues of the dead. And so the lack of initiation is also one of the reasons that people end up depressed as they get, um, as they move through their teens, because our soul is waiting for someone to tend that threshold for us, to give us that ritual, to shape it for us so that we can make that test ourselves and make that choice to move through that doorway and when there is no one around that's going to do that i cannot tell you how many soul parts i have brought back out of the crushing depression of a mid-teen because there is no initiation on the horizon and no adults around to do it that our soul knows what it needs and the very fact that it's not there is a major shaping issue in the depressions of teenagers and kids to say nothing of the soul loss they've already experienced. And then on the other side of life, culturally, because we don't tend the dead well, we don't make sure they clear out of here, we have more and more of the burden of the dead, as I've been talking about. So there's these huge cultural issues around how we tend the main transitions in life from childhood, from adulthood, from living to dead, from and then from not here into birth, that all of these thresholds need to be marked for the the soul to have the structure it needs to live in 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 a spiritual adult within the body of the human and by not doing that we set people up to try to live an adult life without that spiritual structure it's just too flipping hard and so basically what we have set up by accepting soul loss by thrusting it on people by not acknowledging the need um, for shamanic healing as an as a, as a honest, reputable, important part to maintain the health and well-being of an everyday American, right? So through the soul loss, through the, through the result of the energy body because of someone being in a state of soul loss, from the burden of the unresolved ancestral issues, from the frustration of being forced into an adult life without any spiritual preparation to step into that life as an adult, that there is enormous feelings of hopelessness and impotence and that come out of this experience. No wonder people are depressed. I would be too. Right, And then you add on that people's continual outpouring of their time, energy, and financial resources into systems that promise a cure, that don't deliver. No wonder people feel impotent. No wonder they feel hopeless. No wonder they can't get out of bed because it feels as if there is no hope and there is no reason to get out of bed. If this day is going to be exactly the same as the last every single day for the last seven years, why bother? So yes, there are huge cultural reasons that depression may well be a perfectly sane response to a broken system and you chose to be here now. And there are shamanic healers all over America. Many of them work long distance. There is 
no excuse to live in a state of soul loss and to allow yourself the inevitable sort of crumbling of life that comes from living in that state of leaking energy, the frustration, the impotence, the depression, all of that that comes from living in that state. Just don't do it. Just say no. (laughs) I mean, just because the system's broken doesn't mean you need to stay part of it. You can choose something different for yourself. And you deserve a different choice. You deserve your soul back. You deserve your life back. And you, and you can have that by being willing to bring in shamanic healing as part of the process of coming out of this complex situation that we've labeled depression. But do not... Do not believe anyone that tells you you have some fundamental biological flaw and that's why you're depressed. There are n- there's nothing out there to support that. That what you have as a human fundamentally in your body is the code for health. And all that's happened in your life is you've learned to get in the way of that code. And what we offer by bringing shamanism in to the, to the complement of alternative pra- practices that you're doing is to help you get out of the way and allow that fundamental knowing of health to begin to lead your body back to a state of health and well-being. You are not fundamentally flawed. At your core, you are healthy. What we need to do is to get the stuff out of the way between your core and the way that you're living and that we can do that. You don't need to accept the broken system and the very sane response to that broken system that we now call depression. You can walk out of that. You just need to ask for the right help to walk out of that. So one could say then that depression is a sane response to everyday life in America. However, if you think that lets you off the hook, then know this. If depression is a sane response to everyday life in America, then the cure is changing what happens every day in America. So be part of the medicine. We need to initiate our children into adulthood. We need to tend our dead and make sure that the path is clear to the land of the dead. Participate. Participate in these things. We need to connect to our passion for why we are here and live in some way and live that in some way. Life is not a means to an end. It is the end in itself and we must live in that way. Do all of this. To do all of this, you need yourself back. So get your soul parts back. Do it now. Integrate your true gifts deeply. Shore up your energy body so that you have the energy to bring your gifts to the world. Let nothing stop you, not your fear and not your comfort. Be the medicine. Ask for the help that you need and welcome yourself home. Thank you. So thank you everyone for joining me here today. 
I'm very happy to announce that next week our guest will be Sandra Ingerman, and she's going to join us to discuss what matters to her right now, particularly in this year, 2012, that she hasn't had time to write a book about yet. So she's going to talk to us about how important it is that we wake up from our collective trance. We learn to actually stand in universal love day by day and to see through the eyes of divine as we view our own mundane lives and ourselves. And she'll also share some focus and practices she feels are important for shamanic practitioners in this particular time of change and transformation. So join us next, next week. Sandy will be our guest. And I would like to give thanks to the spirits for joining us here today, the ancestors for gathering around the earth below, the sky above, and the heart that unites us all. Thank you, everyone, for listening.